0: Lord, we just love you so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity to come, to worship you, to give you praise. Receive it from our hearts and our lives, Lord. As we lift up your name this morning, be glorified. As we lift up your name, strengthen us, Lord, in you. We love you, Lord. We commit this time to you. We commit this service to you. And we give thanks to you for it in jesus name and everyone's son amen if you would remain standing open your bibles first corinthians chapter 12 please in verse 1 it says now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profitable. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits and to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills father we thank you for your word and we pray that by your holy spirit this morning that you will speak to us and reveal to us what your desire is for us that you will Lord bless us with your presence and also Lord that we can take comfort in this Lord that you love us and that you care for us and that your word is for us in particular this day and we ask all this in Jesus name and everyone said amen you may be seated all right I always love it when holidays fi- fall on a day that is in particular a day to where we can worship the Lord, even though today is not a holiday. This is New Year's Eve, not New Year's Day. But I can't think of a better way to end the year than gathered together in the name of the Lord, worshiping Him, giving Him praise, and the topic that we landed on today. And that is the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ. Uh, if there is ever a time in the history of, church, of the church when we need this more than today, I don't know when that is, to be honest with you. Even though it's very clear that in the first century, in the very beginning when the church started out, they needed this desperately. But I have to tell you, in the days in which we're living, And I believe that we are in those last days that we need it equally as much as the first century church did. We're beginning to see some of the same troubles and tribulations that the church endured in the first century, in this century today, in this time period. And I don't anticipate that it's going to get easier. I believe that it's going to become more difficult. And that's why we need the message of the gifts of the holy spirit and how much we need that baptism of the holy spirit in order to do the work of god in the world in which we live in today there are attacks upon the church that i never in my lifetime as a believer in christ thought that i would see i i cannot believe what's coming against the church today and and how so much is infiltrated into the church to work against the church i was sharing with the guys yesterday morning when we were praying that i felt like the lord would just I, I just had this in my mind in my heart as we were praying for israel and the fact that they're fighting they're getting ready to fight on two fronts at the same time and how the church today is like that as well we are fighting on the front where the world is fighting against us we're we're we are having those attacks from the outside where they're coming against us with great force and we we have this great comfort and and knowledge and that is this that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world and and to be honest with you that's the one that's the easiest for me to deal with because i know that my god is greater than the, the forces of darkness in this world that are coming against the church today that god will prevail but the ones that I struggle with are the ones from within. And we're seeing that happen today with so many movements, the progressive movement within the church, to where people are trying to say that the word of God is damaging and difficult and that it has no place in people's lives. And it's because they want to get rid of certain doctrines that the church teaches about sexual morality sexual purity Uh, not only that but how there's only one way to heaven i mean there's just all these different doctrines that are the essential doctrines to christianity that are under attack today from within the church as well as from without and the funds from within are the most difficult to deal with because you don't expect you might suspect The opposite, that somebody is really, oh yeah, that's a good brother or a good sister, only to find out when it comes down to finding out where they stand on the various things that the word stands on, that they are not in that same place. And much of that is infiltrated into the church today. So this is an important thing that Paul says here in verse 1, where he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That is a message, I think, that speaks directly to us. We could put our, ourselves right in this place when it comes to spiritual gifts that God would not have us ignorant. There's a lot of ignorance, I think, in the church today. There is an opposition within the church to the gifts. There is a teaching that the gifts ended at the apostolic age, They're no longer to be in the church. And they actually use a verse out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, to try to validate that, saying that when that which is perfect has come, there will no longer be a need for those gifts. And they say that is the scripture, the canonization of the Bible, and putting it all together. But yet, when you see that there, it says that when that which is perfect comes there are gifts that will be done away with like prophecy and word and and knowledge and wisdom and god forbid that, that we would think that we no longer have a need for those things in the church today and it really is a incorrect teaching on the scriptures and the gifts didn't stop at the apostolic age even though as cessationists will say that for Hundreds of years, they were not active within the church, but that's not true either. We need the gifts today. We need an understanding that we have the gifts available and that God desires that we would have those gifts and that we need them and that we should not be satisfied with not having them. I'm telling you right now, I'm grateful for every gift that God has bestowed upon me to you to be able to use within the body of christ and of course that's what we're going to see here paul says he's going to tell us that that the gifts are for today but not only that that they have purpose and that purpose is for the building up of the body of christ we're going to see in this chapter that he not only speaks to that but he says that they're given they're they're supplied through the holy spirit and I love this because not only did it say that the Holy Spirit is involved, which is one of his jobs, is to impart the gifts, to disperse the gifts in the body of Christ, but he makes sure that we understand that there is still Jesus and God the Father that are involved with it as well. It's not like the God's Godhead is not involved with the administration of the gifts within the body of Christ. And that they are definitely that which are needed for today. The word gifts, if in most of your translations, you'll see is italicized here in verse 1. And that's because it's not in the original language, but it's added by the translators. But literally, Paul now addresses spirituals after discussing all the areas of the Corinthian carnality. But adding gifts is justified by the context of the verse. That's the whole thing. Remember, we ended, we concluded in chapter 11, as we were dealing with the uh, Corinthians and how they approached the table, the communion table, and how they were carnal and what they were doing and how it was misrepresenting God and also uh, the whole thing of the Last Supper. And so Paul has been addressing these things throughout the book of First Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, about their carnal ways. You remember when he started out in the letter, he was talking about their divisions within their, uh, within their, their churches, and how some said they were of Apollo, some of Paul, some of Cephas, some of Jesus, and Paul having to bring them to a place where he wants them to focus on being spiritual and not carnal here he continues in that adam clark defines spiritual gifts as gracious endowments leading to miraculous results these all came by the extraordinary influences of the holy spirit the same way that they come today the corinthian christians are given a reminder that it is good for us also that we need these gifts Perhaps we are ignorant of things regarding spiritual gifts, and we should not be. I find that there is a lot of ignorance in the church today in regards to spiritual gifts. And part of it is willful. In other words, sometimes we are ignorant of these things because we do not want to know something different. When you start mentioning the gifts, and we'll go through that list here, which is a partial list that Paul gives. He, has a, uh, the, he gives the gifts of the Spirit here in this chapter, but also in chapter 12 of Romans. And any time that you start speaking about those gifts, people begin to get nervous. They're afraid something's going to break out that I am not comfortable with. Somebody's going to jump up and start shouting out in tongues, and then what do we do? I can tell you what we do. And that will come in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians because that's what was happening there in Corinth. And Paul has to address it. God wants us to know and to understand these things because he does want the gifts in operation within the church. It's not for a show. It's for the benefit, the encouragement, the strengthening, the renewing. Of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ, and that's why they're to be in operation, and we need not to get nervous when we begin to consider what these are. And and believe me, if you think you guys get nervous about it, just think about me as the pastor. You know, we've had we've had uh, over the years, and it used to be here at Calvary Chapel, in Sacramento. I can tell you, on a Sunday morning, it was not unusual to have someone speak. In a tongue and for an interpretation to come or for a prophecy to be spoken within our midst. But what happens and has happened within the church is that there is an abuse that takes place often. And when it does that, then there's a tendency to go the other direction and not allow it and to discourage it. I say, no, we we don't want to do that. And oftentimes it's because somebody, it's the same person everywhere, every week seems to have a tongue. Every week seems to have a prophecy. Every week the same interpretation. And many times, oftentimes, it is not even a correct interpretation of the tongue. And because of that, it's easier just to say, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. I'd just assume not deal with it. And then up here, if one of you was to do something like that right now, if you want to stand up and speak in a tongue, I'd have to sharply rebuke you. Because it doesn't have a place right now. It does have a place in our service, but not right at this moment, because God is teaching his word to us through his Holy Spirit, through his servant. And whether you like me or not, that's what I am. So God will not interrupt himself. He won't have somebody stand up and begin to speak in a tongue or to prophesy or something else and I'm getting way ahead of myself because that's chapter 14 but for the sake of this that we want to understand that today the gifts have a place within our midst and the problem is is that we I think and this is my opinion is that we're afraid of that what would we do if something happened well I do know what I would do I would very kindly, but very sharply rebuke someone who is out of order. And we would look to the Lord to bring that correction and bring encouragement for the operation of the gifts within the body of Christ. Because that's what he wants. That's what he says in his word. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us. I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. We don't need to be afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact we need to embrace it and particularly individually in our own lives we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, I've got to get going here otherwise you guys will be here till tomorrow verse 2 he says you know that you were gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led so paul wanted the corinthian christians to remember that their past of pagan idolatry did not prepare them for the for an accurate understanding of the spiritual gifts he did not want them to be ignorant but because they were gentiles they came to the issue of spiritual gifts as ignorant and oftentimes that's our experience as well I, just as a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever had a bad experience in a church with the operation of the gifts? Now here's another one: How many of you have ever had a good experience with the operation of the gifts within a church? Okay. So when you say that, it is because you felt good about it, or is that you judged it against the scriptures and you knew it was scriptural? Because that is, that's how we judge whether something is right or wrong. Is it scriptural? Is it handled the way that God says in his word? Because when that happens, and that's for me, that's the only experience I've ever had. Because as I became a believer, my first encounter with the idea of the baptism of the Spirit and the gifts was one of cessationism. And that is, they, I was taught the gifts were not for today that they finished at the end of the apostolic age there was no longer a need for that since the canonization of the scripture but you know what to be honest with you when i read the scripture nobody told me this i read the scripture for myself and i'm say that doesn't say that there that's talking about when that which is perfect comes that's jesus christ that's not the bible that's jesus And believe me you don't have to be a greek scholar to figure that one out you can trust those that are they translated that quite well and when you read it and keep it within context you find that it's talking about the return of christ when he comes all gifts will be done away with there will be no need for them we'll be in his presence there'll be no need for anything no tongues no interpretation of tongues no prophecy No gifts of healing, no gifts of miracles. None of those things will be necessary because he himself will be ruling and reigning in the world. He will be the one that we will come before. And so that's what we need to understand and to know about these things. That God wants us to understand until that time though, that there is a need for it verse 3 it says therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls jesus accursed and no one can say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit here paul lays down a broad principle for the discerning matters regarding spiritual gifts judge these things by how they relate to jesus christ does a supposed spiritual gift glorify jesus does it promote the true jesus or a false one does it bring attention to men Here's another one. Does it bring attention to the Holy Spirit? Because if it brings attention to the Holy Spirit, that is a false teaching. Jesus made it very clear that when the Holy Spirit come, he would not bring attention to himself. But his job is to bring attention to Jesus. And the gift should point us to Christ. And it should point us to a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Christ nowhere in the scripture does it say that we're to come and to worship the holy spirit we worship god we worship the son and the holy spirit will lead us and guide us in all truth and the matters of worship to god the father and to the son and so anything that points toward the glory of the holy spirit is not right now we honor him because of the fact that he is god He's a part of the Trinity. There's no doubt about that. But oftentimes, there is all this attention that is given to the one that desires no attention to himself, but only to be pointing to the one who came and died for your sins, and him alone. Jesus made it plain that when the Holy Spirit would come, that he will testify of him, of Jesus, in John 15, 26. And also that he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you in john 16 14. the ministry of the holy spirit is not to promote himself or any man but to glorify and represent jesus that's what it's all about In verse 4 he says there are diversity of gifts but the same spirit now one of the things that paul is going to do He's going to begin to talk to us about the fact that there are differing gifts. And we'll also see as we get toward the end of this chapter how Paul points out that the Holy Spirit, as he gives, as he wills to each one of us, there is a purpose for it because each one of us are different, but we're a part of that same body. We're a part of the body of Christ. And just as it is on my body, there are differing parts of it, So it is within the body of Christ as well. So Paul is going to tell us here, there's a diversity of gifts, and there should be. Now, if my fingers acted like my feet, then I'd have a problem. If my nose acted like my knee, I'd have a problem. I make it go on and on, right? About how... There are certain parts that are designed for certain purposes, and if they're not functioning in that way, they are out of line. They're not fulfilling the purpose for which God has created them. And in 99% of the cases with the human body, we have those parts for that purpose, and we don't use the other parts for that same purpose. Does that make sense? I hope so. Are you awake? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. So God has given a diversity of gifts to the body. But they're all given by the same spirit. There's no diversity of spirits. And even though that he will exclaim that God the Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son are involved with the working and the operation of the gifts, it is still that, that one, that same that is involved within the diversity of those gifts and the distributing of those gifts. In verse 5 he says there are differences of ministries but the same Lord. Ministry probably has in mind the different gifted offices in the church. Such as apostles, prophets, evangelists and pastor teachers as Paul described in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's point is clear. There are different offices. It is the same Lord granting the offices and directing the service. There is a unity in this. And in that unity is where we get our strength and we get our direction. We get our receiving of those gifts and how to utilize them within the body of Christ. If they were not like that, then it would be crazy. Verse 6 And there are a diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. So the Greek word for activities is ergarmatha. I don't know if I said that right, but it was impressive, wasn't it? And this is where we get our words energy, energetic, and energized from. It is a word of active, miraculous power. Activities is the same word as working in uh, in first corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10 and we'll see that where it is that working of miracles differences of activities means that god displays and pours out his miraculous power in different ways but it is always the same god doing the work now we could we could go through the gospels and you can see all the times when god pours out his miraculous power through Jesus Christ as he walked on the face of the earth and certainly we see it often within the life of Jesus but even during the time when Jesus was walking the face of the earth there were times when God poured out that power through the disciples they were amazed that they got to do that they couldn't believe it so God does do that he did it then but then when we get to the book of Acts man what a glorious thing to watch and to see. Do you think that those times are gone? Or do you think that God still works in that same way as he did in those days? <clears throat> we're, we are so limited. We're so myopic and we're so, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, we're, we're so full of ourselves that we even deny that God would be doing this in the church in other places in the world. But yet he is. We definitely, there are different places in the world today that you see the book of Acts in operation. You see the miracles that are happening, the things that God is doing. And I believe it's because God still wants to work. And there's different reasons why I think that we have problems here and that we don't see it today. And part of it is, I think we have way too many other things to rely upon than the Holy Spirit. Many of you know, what was it? Three weeks ago now, two weeks ago, whatever it was, when I was up here, and I, I couldn't finish my message because I got halfway through it, and I had a problem, and, um, and I had to stop. And praise the Lord. We saw, we saw a miracle. We saw how the Holy Spirit took my notes, and through Pastor Paul, he was able to get up here and finish my message. That was a miracle of God. I'm telling you right now. We saw that in action. But my point is not that. <laughs> Maybe a bad example. The fact is this. Is that so many of you have asked me you know, how I'm doing right now. And right at the moment, I'm doing great. But it was like halfway through my message the last time that I had a problem. So it could happen at any moment. And it happened again just two Wednesday nights ago. That I got halfway through my message. And I couldn't read. I couldn't speak, I couldn't do those things. So my point is this, many of you ask me, how am I doing? Are you going and getting checked out? That's the question, right? Your concern. And I appreciate that so much. I do. But the truth is many people in other parts of the world they don't have that to that question to be asked. They have nothing to rely upon except for God. And his Holy Spirit they don't have the hospitals and the doctors and all these kind of things and oftentimes the Holy Spirit I think wants to do a work and what gets in the way is our oh well, let me see if this will work instead of depending upon the Holy Spirit now I don't think that, that it's wrong that I'm going to the doctor and getting it checked out Just to, just make sure everybody understands I am going to the doctor we're getting it checked out There's a, uh, an appointment eventually that I'm going to have with a neurologist and all these kind of things. But you know what? I've had several people tell me they think it's spiritual because it happens on Sundays and Wednesdays. It doesn't happen at any other time. Sundays and Wednesdays. There are things that are going on. So perhaps that what is what it is. I don't know. I, I'm seeking the Lord to know exactly what it is praying that he will reveal to me what it is whatever it is i'm sure that i will give him glory when it is revealed and the result the cure of it all or the lack thereof i don't know Uh, you know i will i'll tell you uh, i have never encountered anything so difficult to do in my life than to get up in front of you all and not be able to finish a message that's that's a pastor's nightmare. The other one that's worse is you get up there and you lost your notes and you can't remember what you need to teach. That was pretty this one, you know, is pretty equal to that. But the power of God, the miracles of God are still for today. And that's what Paul wants us to know and to understand. And that God does work in this way. If we give him opportunity. To do so and he tells us here like i say in this passage it also declares the trinity in a typical subtle new testament flow the gifts are the work of the holy spirit and the lord jesus christ and god the father all together verse 7 it says the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all this passage declares uh, the trinity in that typical form but It also, the gifts are the work of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of the edification of the body of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, it said, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders. Speaking of the apostles, when God, he bore witness through their lives with the signs and wonders that God was in it, that God was doing a work. With various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. God gives gifts as he wills. What's key is that we understand that and that we seek the Lord as to what it is that he has given to us. What gifts has he given to us? What is it that God has called us to? Not necessarily, what do I want to be called to? But what is it that God has called me to? What is it that he wants for me? The fact is, and we'll see this next week, is that God has purposed that each one of us have a place in the body of Christ and we are to function with a gift. Our job is simply to seek him out and to know what is it that he wants for us and to walk in that and to let him work in us and through us and here paul begins to speak of how there's differences in those gifts in verse 8 he says to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge the same through the same spirit the word of wisdom this is the unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of god especially in an important situation as shown as in stephen in Acts chapter 7 and also in Paul in Acts 23. It is that it's a revelation from God that God's given wisdom into what's going on and what needs to be addressed. Man, what an important gift in the body of Christ. What an important gift it is in my own life. Often I have seen God work in my life in this way, giving me insight, supernatural insight into something A wisdom and what to do that I know that it's not me I I just had this experience yesterday in speaking with a friend of mine that is going through something that as I'm speaking with him I shared something with him about that situation and his life that it just absolutely he just went oh man I so needed to hear that and I know that it was from the Holy Spirit not for me I am not that smart God is And I love it when God does that. He's the one that gets the glory. He's the one that he does it for for our benefit. We have that wonderful word of wisdom. And then there's the word of knowledge. And it's the unique ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally as known, uh, as shown in Jesus in Matthew 17, uh, 24 through 27. When he tells Peter, uh, you know they're being confronted about being uh, paying taxes, and he tells Peter, "I want you to go down to the water, and I want you—you're going to catch a fish. He doesn't throw, throw out your net; he so throw out a hook. Catch a fish, and when you draw that fish up, there's going to be a coin in his mouth, and you're to pay." I wish he'd tell me that more. If I'd go fishing all the time, yeah, yeah catch that one with a gold coin in his mouth hallelujah i'll take it or paul in acts 27 uh, when paul was given word that the voyage that they were getting ready to embark on that it was going to lead to shipwreck sometimes that 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 word of knowledge is not necessarily oh yippee that's good i'm going to go get a coin out of the fish's mouth sometimes hey guess what guys this is going to end up in disaster Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, you do. And sure enough, they did. But they were preserved through that, and God had given Paul another word of knowledge. He said, all of you are going to be saved, but none of you can bail out. All of you got to stick with it all the way through. And as they did, then God was faithful. And that word of knowledge sometimes is, is so good. So needful. Sometimes it's difficult. I've had words of knowledge about situations that I wish I really didn't know. I really wish I didn't know. Because then the next question is, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Now that you have revealed this to me. And sometimes it's, I want you to go. I want you to confront that individual about this. And I've gone. And they say, oh, no, that's not true. And I say, that's not so. I know because the Lord has spoken to me. He's given me a word about what you're doing. No, 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 that's not true. Okay. Can't argue with you. And sure enough, with a little bit of time, it's proven out to be true. It's exactly what God said that it was. I don't like those. But it's a needful gift, and sometimes it's very useful. When Charles Spurgeon was saved, it was at the preaching of a man who directed a portion of his sermon right to young Spurgeon who, and who supernaturally spoke right to where Spurgeon's heart was. This is another example of the word of knowledge. I've had those words of knowledge too. I've had it where at the end of the message, giving an invitation, nobody's responding and the Lord speaks to my heart and he says, there's someone here that needs to accept me continue to give that invitation and sure enough somebody stands up they accept Christ as their Savior the gifts are in operation today this is why I'm telling you these things God wants to work in that same way in our lives it should both excite you and give you fear excites you because you can be a part of that fear because if you're trying to do something you shouldn't know this God knows everything right Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, Ooh, they can be good, or not so good, right? Absolutely. We do well to understand the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. One may have great knowledge, even supernatural knowledge, yet have no wisdom from God in the application of that knowledge. And it's so important that we do. Verse 9, to another faith, and by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, and by the same Spirit. So the gift of faith, uh, though faith is an essential part of every Christian's life, the gift of faith is a unique ability to trust God against all circumstances, as Peter did when he walked out of the boat onto the water in Matthew's gospel. That's the exercising of the gift of faith. You know all the other knuckleheads they stayed in the boat Peter's the only one who got out yeah he took his eyes off the Lord and he sank and man what a glorious picture it is uh, when he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus pulled him right up out of the water and saved him you know but he's the only one people criticized Peter for what he did but he's the only one who exercised faith true faith in God and that gift of faith to trust God for more than what is really what you can see there as being the natural thing to believe him for the supernatural. And I, I always want to do that. I don't want to be presumptuous. I hate people. that say, well, I'm just going to believe it, so it's going to be so. Well, that's not the case, necessarily. Now, if God's spirit is leading you to that, and you know that, that's wonderful. But don't just think that your positive confession and your positive faith is what's going to make it happen. Because it won't. But I can tell you this, there is always an opportunity for that if we will look to him and trust him. Always an opportunity. Another mighty example of the gift of faith was the Christian leader and philanthropist, George Mueller, who in 19th century England provided for thousands of orphans completely by prayer without ever asking for donations. In a time when they were in a Great Depression, he opened three orphanages which housed more than 10,000 children. And he trusted the Lord to provide for every need that they had. And God never failed him. If you ever want to be inspired about faith, read his autobiography. Read the biographies about his life. And you will find true miracles of faith. That he did and i don't have the time but i could give you such a long list of the times when he trusted god and god was faithful to come through and god will do that same thing in our lives as well and then he says the gifts of healings and i want you to notice these are this is in a plural form it's not singular and so it is to me it's very clear in the scriptures this is a gift that comes upon you at a certain time not that necessarily remains with you I've I've laid hands on people and God has touched them and healed them and I'm grateful for that but I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I have this wonderful power in my life that if I touch you and pray for you God's going to heal you I'm going to tell you that if I touch you and I pray for you that God can heal you because that's what the word says and that he may use me as his instrument to do that. But I guarantee you this, I am not gonna make a ministry out of that. Because if I could, there would be no more hospitals. There would be, you know, there would be so fewer people that were sick because I'd just go around touching everybody. I would. But that's not how it works but there are times when it comes upon us at the end of this service we're going to pray for our sister Sharon who has something coming up a procedure coming up and we're going to pray for God to touch her and heal her before that even comes up because we believe in that God can and he might and we want to trust him to do so we want to give him the opportunity to do so and we want to do it before all because if he does we want him to have all the glory that's for sure and it's all done by the same spirit all these gifts verse 10 to another working of miracles and to another prophecy and to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues the working of miracles it literally is dynamis or the acts of power and this describes when the Holy Spirit chose chooses to override the laws of nature um as a pilot might use manual controls working in or through an available person that God would do this like I said the gifts of healing prophecy it's the forth of God's message in a particular situation always in accord with his word and his current work sometimes this has the character A telling the future as in Acts 21 10 and 11 and that's when Paul was being told that when he went to Jerusalem that he was going to be taken into custody it does and it still happens today and there are those cessationists would say well no that's the forth of the word that's the word of God and it speaks the truth of God and so therefore that is prophecy today now that can be but that is not what it's talking about here when it's talking about the gift of prophecy it is talking about telling of the future something happening and God still does do that and sometimes he may do it in our own lives he'll speak to our hearts and tell us something that's coming up you know in our, that we have going on right now and he said this is what's gonna happen I've had that happen sometimes it's near future, you know prophecy sometimes it's far in the future this is what's gonna happen in case you didn't know, Calvary chapels are the fulfillment of a prophecy that was given to Pastor Chuck many, many, many years ago when he had just started out. And he, this is before Calvary Chapel was really anything at all. They were in the first little church that they were gathering together. An old woman in the church came up to Chuck and told him, the Lord has spoken to me that one day you will be the pastor of many churches. And Paul uh, P, uh, Chuck wasn't sure what to do with that. But he took it and he listened to it and he waited on the Lord. And sure enough, when Pastor uh, Chuck died, he was the pastor of over 1,750 churches. God does work in that way today, just like he did in these days as well. We have the discerning of spirits, and that is the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine and between what is of the Holy Spirit and what isn't. In Acts chapter 8, verses 18 through 23, we see the account of Simon, the sorcerer. And he wanted this power that he saw demonstrated through the apostles. As they were laying on of hands and he saw that the Holy Spirit was being imparted to others. And, And he wanted it because he wanted to have power over the people. And so he asked for it. He wanted to buy it. And so he got sternly rebuked and almost cost him a great deal. And that was... The discerning of spirits that they had—that when he asked for it, that they knew, they understood. As a matter of fact, Peter told him, he said, "Hey, you want it for—you want it for the wrong reasons. You want it so you can yield power over people. That's not why we have this. That's not why we're doing this. It's not so that we can have power, but it's so that people be delivered. So people can be, you know, cured, and people can have what they have need of from the Holy Spirit." And that was a gift of the discerning of spirits. Does God work that way today? Absolutely. You know, you ever watch somebody on television and how you know they say something, they're teaching something, and you just got this check in your heart, and you're like, Nah, something's not right about this. And First John speaks to that. The fact is is that we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we hear something. And even though you may not be a biblical scholar, you may not have even been walking with the Lord that long, but yet you go, Wait a minute, no, that just doesn't sound right to me. That's the discerning of spirits. That's the discerning of, the, of what's being said and it being incorrect. You know thank God for that gift. It's kept many of us out of harm's way, I think. We know that Satan appears as an angel of light, and we'll see that when we get over into Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. He deceives with a false, uh, tempting message, as he did in Genesis chapter two. When he came to Eve, all the way to chapter two through to, uh, three five, and there can be a lying spirit in the mouths of prophets, as we see in First Kings chapter twenty two, verses twenty one through thirty or twenty three, and in Second Chronicles eighteen as well. Satan can speak right after God speaks, as we see in Matthew chapter sixteen, and verse twenty three. Sometimes people who seem to say the right things are really from the devil. We need that gift in the church today more than ever. Then he deals with the issue of the gift of tongues. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today because of the fact that we'll be dealing with it a lot more throughout chapters 13 and 14 as we address not only uh, the validity of it, but the use of it and what we do with it after it has been exercised within the church but let me just say this the gift of tongues is a personal language of prayer given by god whereby the believer can communicate with god beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding i speak in tongues i pray in tongues i've never never been called by god to speak in a public setting to speak in tongues but i pray It's a gift that God has given to me. And and I don't always understand it, but there have been times that I've prayed to the Lord to give me understanding. Each time that I've asked for that is because I doubted whether or not it was real. And I needed that to know that what I was doing was of God, not of myself. And each time God gave me the interpretation, not just once, but at least twice, of the same tongue. So I know that it's real, and I use it in my life. But I think it's important that we understand not everybody gets the gift of tongues, and neither should it be that we think lesser of those who don't speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, well, come up afterwards to me, and if you pay me $100, I'll teach you how to speak in tongues. It's how I make money. That's absurd. But there are those that try to profiteer off the gifts of the Spirit. And they make it a big deal. And and I will just say this about tongues. Uh, You know, the Corinthians had big problems with it. And they saw it as being the gift. And in the charismatic movement today, it's still the gift. And as a matter of fact, in some very mainline denominational Charismatic churches, they teach that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have salvation. So therefore, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Circular reasoning, but yet it's still scripture or it's a spiritual circular reasoning. I guess that makes it okay. But it's not true. And it's a misrepresentation of the Word of God. But I think it's important that we understand that we seek God and his Holy Spirit. And if that's a gift that he wants to give to us, he will impart that to us. But it may be that that's not going to be a gift that you're going to receive. And that's okay. And that you don't have to feel that in some way you got cheated. Because you didn't. Whatever gift God gives to us, what's important is that we utilize it, no matter what that is. It's